through. All right, so this is our fifth week of this Promised Land series, but the third week specifically talking about what separated Joshua and Caleb from their entire generation of over one million people. I'm not going to review the last two weeks for long because I know we have a short time, so watch the the watch the video or, or go stream the podcast from the last two weeks. But here is the basis. Joshua and Caleb and over one million other Israelites left Egypt called to go to the promised land. God said, his word was, it is a land flowing with milk and honey. He told them, the people who lived there, and then he said, don't be afraid of anything. Go in and take the land. I've given it to you. Out of all those 1.2 million people or so, Only Joshua and Caleb entered the promised land. Everybody else, including Moses, died in the wilderness. Joshua and Caleb led an entire new generation into that promised land. What made them different? What set them apart? In week one, we talked about they knew the report of the Lord. Most of those folks knew part of the report. They got to the promised land. They said, check, God was right. It's flowing with milk and honey. Check, God was right. Those exact people live there. However, That last part of the report was, I've given you the land, take it. They didn't remember that part. They said, we can't take it. Joshua and Caleb stood up and said, yes, we can. The full report was, we can take the land. So they did, 40 years later. The second thing they did was they declared that report. When everybody thought they were crazy, when the entire world seemed to say one thing, Joshua and Caleb stood on the word, on the report of the Lord, and they said, we don't care if you think we're crazy. This is what the word says. This is what the report of the Lord is. We can take that land. And they declared it so much. If you read, the entire camp wanted to kill them. Man, does that sound, uh, I don't know if any of us in this room in the U.S. has ever been in that place where people wanted to absolutely end our lives because we declared the report of the Lord. I I do see that persecution for for Christianity is getting a little bit heavier than ever in my lifetime, but at least in the U.S., I have not heard of anybody saying uh, I'm threatened with death because I'm standing on my faith. But if it ever happens, be sure that if you know the report and you're declaring it, man, God is faithful and he's got your back. He's got your back and no weapon formed against you will prosper. So today, for the next 20 minutes, I'm going to talk about the third thing that set them apart. And this is maybe the most important one. It is also more of a progression than a decision because when you know the report, Number one, when you declare the report, what is going to happen is before you know it, you will be acting on the report of the Lord. That report that the Lord gives you will turn into action. And until it does, it is just something nice on the inside. It's encouraging, right? Uh, but, But we know that the word of the Lord is alive, it's living, it's active. If it stays on the inside of us, then that's the only place it is living and active. But when we declare it and it begins to make its way to the outside world, eventually after declaring, after believing, meditating on it, we will act on it and you will see success. In Joshua chapter one, verses six through nine, that's gonna be where we're hanging out for uh, this service today. God is speaking directly to Joshua. We've already read part of this. We already read Joshua 1.8, but we're gonna be in this full text today. Joshua chapter one, six through nine, be strong and courageous. 
For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. We talked about a weight on the Lord sandwich a few months ago, right? Psalm 54, wait on the Lord, be strong, courageous, wait on the Lord. Here's your be strong and courageous sandwich. It starts with be strong and courageous, and then it ends with be strong and very courageous. All right, so uh, let, let, let's talk about that. In that series about waiting on the Lord, what do we learn about the word wait? It is, not a, a, it is not a verb that involves us just sitting around doing nothing. A verb is an action word, and the word wait is a verb that means, at least in the Hebrew language that this was spoken in and written in, to wrap yourself around something. So what do we know about waiting on the Lord? From Isaiah 40, 31, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They that wrap themselves around the Lord, those that wrap themselves around the report of the Lord. When you become so entangled with the report of the Lord that it is your report, no matter what the world says, you say, no, 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 the economy's tanking. Thank God my report is that I am from a different source and the economy of the kingdom I live in is steady. When that report becomes your report, that's called waiting on the Lord. And what happens? It renews your strength. Because if you keep on hearing everything about what this world is doing, it weighs on you and it gets heavy. And you know, for the modern day person, it, it, it's, it's, it's really a strange predicament we're in. Because we have this that gives us instant information from all over the world. How could any one of us bear the weight, the full weight of the problems of our own city, our own home sometimes? And now at this point, some of us literally are trying to carry the weight of the entire world. We get the news instantly. What used to take newspapers and information traveling slowly across the world, right? Now we get it instantly, and any human that has an iPhone or a phone in their hand has a choice to carry the weight of the entire world on their shoulders or not. And we need to be aware of what's going on, but we need to remember that as a believer, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. We get all those stories, we get all the news, we know what's happening in our own home with our children, our families, our city, but we have to constantly remind ourselves that the burden is the Lord's. He makes it easy on us. And when we go to him, Philippians chapter four, verse eight, I believe, says that to end worry, it says, go to God, tell him what you need, thank him for what he's done, and then his peace will flood your mind. So we go to God, we tell him what we need, we thank him for what he's done. His burden, that yoke, that burden becomes light on us. And as we wait on him and wrap our thoughts around his thoughts, when our report becomes his report, our strength is renewed. And all that heaviness, all that weariness is renewed. Man, Jesus several times was going to rest and a crowd found him along the way. And instead of resting, he ministered and then left those moments seemingly rejuvenated. We're not called to be worn down, broken down, ornery people. Nobody wants to follow an ornery leader, and you are leaders, not followers. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not below. You are a lender and not a borrower. Nobody wants to follow somebody that's out there acting as tired and beat down as everybody else. 
And the reason that's not fake it till you make it is because it's real. Because you can really tap into that life in Christ. You can really tap in to your strength being renewed as you wait upon the Lord, wrapping your thoughts and your report around his report. And as you do that, as you know his report, as you declare his report, the progression will be you will begin to act on it before you even know it, before the other reports carry any weight within you whatsoever. When the Israelites went to the promised land, the reason everybody else freaked out is because the people that God said were living there were giants. They were literally giants. And everybody else said, we weren't expecting giants. And Joshua and Caleb said, how does that change what God said? He didn't say you can defeat them if they're not giants. He said you can defeat them. He didn't tell you that no weapon will formed against you will prosper as long as it's not this type of weapon, as long as it's not cancer, as long as it's not poverty, as long as it's not something else this world declares as a monster, as long as it's not is not part of the report of the Lord. You have a promise that no weapon formed against you will prosper. That's the full report. Speak it, declare it, and as you act on it, it'll be before you know it. Years and years ago, one of our kids had their first birthday in Nicaragua. Was it Ava or Judah? Ava, okay. I thought it was Ava, but last time I said something about our kids, Lisa said, not only was that not one of our kids, that wasn't even our kid. I mixed up all these stories in my head. <laughs> okay, but uh, Lisa and I, I mean, Lisa grew up on the mission field with her parents. Ambassadors to the Nations is uh, founded by Lisa's mom and, and uh, her stepmom, her dad, and I think it's been uh, 20, 25 years or so now, 26, 27 years, working in Nicaragua, Mexico, now the Congo, Nigeria, and boy, what started with one trip, what started with one school class has grown into uh, five campuses in Nicaragua, a campus in the Congo. I, I might talk about that if I have time, but we spent a lot of time going on the mission field when we first got married. We went on every trip possible. We had a baby. Ava was uh, seven, eight months old, and we looked at the calendar and found a trip we could go on to Nicaragua, and we signed up. We told her parents we're going, and it'll be on Ava's birthday. How fun will it be to have her first birthday in Nicaragua? And uh, that's a pretty rough place, and the hotel we stayed in was right next door to the black market where some pretty weird stuff happens. But let me tell you, it never crossed our mind that we should rethink taking a baby to Nicaragua until we started telling people outside of ourselves that we were going to Nicaragua, and people would look at us with their eyes wide open. Wait, you're taking your, your baby to Nicaragua? You're taking your daughter? She's a baby. Is that not dangerous? Never crossed our mind. Yeah, Lisa said, oh, they have babies there, and they live. They survive. But what so many people's minds went to was, what about the dangers? We didn't even think about it because we knew we had a word from the Lord. We knew we had a word from the Lord. And maybe we didn't hear a voice from heaven that said, go to Nicaragua. But there was a voice from heaven that said, go unto all the world and preach the gospel. And if I'm lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. We have a word to go. We have, if you're, somebody's been waiting on a word to go. And God is just not going to speak out loud from the clouds. This is your word to go. Just go. This is God's voice saying, go right here. Not mine. It's in here. It never crossed our mind, this is going to be dangerous. And she went, and she had a great time, and we had her first birthday, and it was awesome. 
But anybody else's report will pale in comparison for, to the report of the Lord when that report becomes the most real thing to you. Uh, a friend of ours named Tamara, uh, her and her husband were here for years at our church and they moved a little bit further away uh, than a drive would allow them to be here. But Tamara came in one Sunday after uh, years and years of back problems, a back problem that got so bad she couldn't even sit up on the 20-minute drive to church. She had to lay down because uh, she couldn't even sit down. And her and Zach came in one Sunday before, the day before what was going to be a surgical consultation to find out how to fix this or if it was fixable. I don't know the medical terms, but she had five discs in her back that were all but disintegrated. They were just, they were gone. I guess they had, they were broken or slipped or something, but they were, the word they used was disintegrating. They were just not there fully. And they came up and they said, we want you to pray with us before the surgical consultation tomorrow. Well, I got to tell you, me and Lisa, our church here, we believe in healing. The Bible says by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed, right? So we believe that. We've seen miracles. They said, let's pray. And we said, well, what do you want? She said, well, I just want the doctors to have wisdom and they know how to fix it. I want this problem fixed. And I said, well, what if it just got healed right now? Would you be okay with that? And she kind of laughed. She's like, of course, I'd be okay with that. I said, well, let's pray. Let's speak to it. And let's just believe a miracle can happen right now. So we prayed. We spoke to her back. By the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. Uh, uh, we, we declared scriptures, and she felt zero difference. There was no tingling. There was no a miraculous, I feel better. But I knew, and Lisa knew, and we said, I believe you were just healed. I believe you were just healed, even if nothing feels different. She said, I believe that too. So they drove home. She had to lie down because the pain was so bad. But she, on her own, kept saying, even if my back hurts, I believe I was healed when we prayed. The next morning, she expected to wake up with no pain. She woke up with a lot of pain, more than usual, because that's how the enemy works. She goes to the doctor, surgical consultation. They said, well, let us do some x-rays. We'll see where we're at. They did x-rays. The doctor comes in, and it's, you know that old story where he looks at him, and he's like, okay, we got these mixed up. I'll be right back. And he comes out. He's like, well, we lost your x-rays. They did some more. He looks at him, and he goes, well, this just isn't your back. You have five, your discs look great. This is not the problem. They are completely 100% whole. They're in the right place. She, still feeling pain, said, well, then why am I still in pain? And this is his report. Okay, well, I don't know. I guess we're back to square one. It wasn't your disc. That's really disheartening. But you know what she said? Well, how come my old x-rays show that they were disintegrating? He said, I don't know. Maybe we got those wrong. But she got in her car, she still felt pain, but here's what she said, I still believe I was healed. And she heard the Holy Spirit say, well, what would you do today if you were actually healed? And she said, I've been wanting to stain my deck for a long time. So her and her husband drove to Lowe's, they bought some deck stains, she went home, she was in excruciating pain, opened the can on her deck, bent down to put the brush in the stain, and all the pain went away completely. In that moment, she went back to the doctor, same report, her discs were great, she had no pain. Three weeks later, she drove her two daughters from North Carolina to Washington State on a road trip, from Washington State down to Dallas, Texas, and then from Dallas, Texas back to Charlotte, North Carolina with zero pain at all. That was seven or six years ago. That's when my dad passed away. That was six years ago, and she still has zero pain in her back. Her report of her own pain told her for two days you weren't healed. 
but she kept declaring the report of the Lord. Even when her own thoughts said, you are crazy. Even when her back was screaming, you are crazy. She kept declaring the report. She acted on it. And in that moment of action, her strength was renewed. I don't know how that all works. I don't know where the pain was coming from when there was nothing that was actually causing it. I don't know. I'm just telling you what happened. And it is what the word says will happen. What separated her from anybody else? She knew the report. She declared it over and over. And then she acted on it. And she walked in victory, walked right into her promised land. If we keep reading in our text, Joshua 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 8, the very next verse tells us exactly that that is what we will find. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. You could replace that with the word of God. Be careful to obey the word of God. Do not deviate from it, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Stop right there. Are you successful in everything you do? Here's your answer. Do not deviate from what the word says. Don't turn to the right or the left and you will have success. Can it be that simple? Yes. I asked you this a couple weeks ago and someone told me it really impacted them. So maybe this is a good question for you. Have your complicated methods worked yet? And if your answer is no, the complicated methods haven't worked for me yet, then here's an answer. Can it be simple? Yes, try the simple version. Learn the report of the Lord. Learn it, learn it, declare it. Don't let it depart from you and you will find success in everything you do. Do you know that includes the inevitable failures that we have as humans? Think about that for a second. We have flaws. As long as we're walking around in these flesh bodies, we are not perfect. Is that okay to say, like, we're not perfect? You might stone me if I say we are perfect, right? We're not perfect. We make mistakes in our humanity. But when the word of the Lord and his report is our report, even in those failures, even in those shortcomings, Romans 8, 28 says he will take all things and work them for the good for those who are in Christ Jesus. Even in our failures, we will find success. That's what all the best coaches say. They say this loss today was not a failure unless we don't learn from it. This loss that we experience today is not a failure unless we just let it get us down and we don't get up and keep moving forward. We got the best coach of all time. And here's what he tells us. Don't let the word depart and you will find success in all you do. If our flesh gets in the way and we experience a shortcoming, we will still find success through that. Peter denied Jesus three times in the moments Jesus needed him the most. And then for the next part of his, for the next part of his life, he was a leading voice in spreading the gospel of the very man he denied almost more than anybody else. Paul held the clothes of the Christians who were being stoned to death in the streets for nothing more than confessing Jesus as Lord. And then he became the leading voice in declaring the divinity of the man named Jesus, the very man whose shortcomings involved killing those 
who declared the very thing he spent the next rest of his life declaring. Man, that's powerful. That is so powerful. As you wrap your thoughts around his thoughts, as you wait for him and his report, as you wrap your report around his, when his report becomes your report, you know it, you declare it. That action, let me tell you, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. When Joshua led those people to Egypt, they had to cross the Jordan River, right? They had to cross the Jordan River. Remember, there was only two people that walked across the parted Red Sea 40 years earlier in that group, Joshua and Caleb. Everybody else who crossed the Jordan into the promised land were born in the wilderness. So these guys, this generation, couldn't even go back in their memory and say, there's a body of water in front of us. How are we going to get across that and remember the water parting? They couldn't even remember that because they weren't there. Not only that, listen to this. This is something you could just read over and it could just go in one ear out the other. Joshua 3, 15 through 17. They're all standing at the Jordan and here's what it says. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. This wasn't the Jordan River in the middle of a drought where it was dry and they could just wade through the water. This was the Jordan River when it was at its largest, its deepest, and its most violent. It was dripping over the edges because it was so deep in this moment. Does this sound familiar? God, why have you called me to do this in this moment? It's really not the best time. It's really not the best time for you to call me to action right now, God. I got this to take care of. I got this thing to take care of. And you're telling me to do this. Uh, th there will be a better time. There's never a better time to act on the report of the Lord. Because when the priest stepped into the river, when the priest stepped in with the Ark of the Covenant, it didn't part like it did the time before. We kind of picture the waters parting like it did. It says the water above, right? So the water that was flowing towards the priest began to back up back to where it came from. And the water that was on the other side of the priest just kept on flowing to the outsource. And they just walked through on this dry riverbed once again. But it's never going to be convenient to say yes to the Lord. It is never going to be convenient. Years ago, the Lord told me and Lisa and a couple friends of ours to start a ministry called City Youth. And it was going to be on Wednesday nights. And we rented uh, what was then Hawk's Nest Elementary. And the Lord told us to do it right then. We couldn't wait for a better Wednesday. The Wednesday that the Lord highlighted for us was the one in between Christmas and New Year's. Can anybody in here think of a worse Wednesday night to start something? I mean, we had money invested in this because we had to rent the building. We had, uh, we had to set up a sound system. We had to get volunteers. We didn't know what was going to happen. We thought maybe my friend's youth group would come and our youth group would come. But that night, in between Christmas and New Year's, over 300 teenagers walked into that building and heard about Jesus and worshiped together. And from that point on, for the next eight months, we met in that school every Wednesday night with teenagers, hundreds, getting words from the Lord, getting their lives changed. I could tell you stories for the next week or two about the moments we had at City Youth. It was awesome. 
My sister, who was 12 at the time, in a pre-service prayer, God told her, tonight you'll meet someone named Alexis. She'll be wearing a purple sweater. You'll pray for her, and she'll have an encounter with me. She's worshiping. She opens her eyes. A stranger who was standing beside her wearing a purple sweater was right there. And my sister Abby said, is your name Alexis? And she said, yeah, do we know each other? And she said, no, but God told me that you'd be here tonight. I need to pray for you. This girl started crying, and my sister prayed for her, and she had an encounter with the Lord that I know left her different. Because on the worst Wednesday of the year, we said yes to God and we saw something powerful happen. And I could talk so much more. Our entire staff is built off of now adults who were teenagers that were a part of City Youth uh, 10 years ago or whatever that was now. There was 51 other better Wednesdays that year. But that was the one. And we said yes. Jericho was a pretty big city. They had to walk around it instead of going in. It was ridiculous. You know that story. They marched around it. They blew the trumpet, but that was the report of the Lord. And they looked crazy. And if you've seen Veggie Tales, those French peas taunted them the entire time. If you've never been taunted by a French pea, you've never been taunted. But after they got around that wall, after they blew those trumpets, the wall just fell down because it was the report of the Lord. And it wasn't the best time. And it wasn't the best plan, right? Don't you think any one of the military-minded people could have thought of a better plan than marching around the wall and playing music and shouting? I mean, even the worst military guy could have had a better plan. But that was the report of the Lord. That was the report. Anybody else could have said, no, there's way better Wednesdays to start that ministry. Anybody could have told my mother-in-law, no, one woman from Charlotte, North Carolina is not going to go impact an entire country called Nicaragua. But I'm telling you now, thousands of kids have graduated from our school educated in a third world country where education is not simple to come by. But now thousands of kids have graduated educated, intelligent. They've gone on to university. They know the word of God. They run all four of our schools now so that in 2020, when nobody from the U.S. could go to Nicaragua, not one thing slowed down in Nicaragua because they are completely run by people who have grown up and graduated from our schools. That's amazing. Tell somebody 30 years ago that's what's going to happen in 30 years, and it seems impossible. My mother-in-law was diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder the same year God told her to go to all the nations. Well, you know what, God? Let me get this handled first. Let me get better first. But there's times to this day she still wakes up in absolute pain but forces herself to walk out the door, get in the airport line at 4.30 in the morning, get on the plane, literally suffering on the inside, and then walks the 125,000 degree streets of Nicaragua in the middle of summer just telling kids that Jesus loves them. I'm telling you, there's always a better time. There's always a better time in the natural. 
but when you know the report of the Lord and that's what you declare, that's wrapping yourself around his report. And it says in Isaiah, your strength will be renewed. Before you know it, you will be acting on that report. And then before you know it, people are going to look at you like you're crazy and you won't even know what they're talking about. What do you mean I shouldn't go to a different country? What do you mean I shouldn't start a service on a Wednesday night? What do you mean I shouldn't do this? It makes perfect sense to me. Well, how does that make sense to you? Because your report is not built on any natural circumstances. Your report is not built on the fact that maybe this is the time the Jordan is at its smallest. No, it's the biggest. It's the biggest. It's the biggest. And there's more reasons right now than ever in your own life, and I'm prophesying to every one of us, there's more reasons than ever right now in your life to say no. That's absolutely true. But it doesn't matter what the natural report says because the report of the Lord is where the power is at. The report of the Lord is where the supply is at. The report of the Lord is where your victory is at. Say yes and watch things that don't make sense all start to come together. Start seeing uh, your storehouse that was completely empty all of a sudden look full. There's always grace for the time of need. A storehouse larger than any one of us could build. You got to know his report. You got to declare that report no matter what it looks like, no matter what people are saying, and then you will act on it, and you will see success. Joshua 1, 8, act on the report of the Lord. Don't let it depart from your mind, your lips. Meditate on it day and night. And that's a great word. Meditating, the way the word talks about meditating is awesome. The world's evil version of meditation is emptying your mind and just letting whatever fill it. But the word's version of meditation is filling your mind with the word. It's actually the exact opposite of what the world uh, promotes. It's not emptying it. It's filling it up. Meditate on the word. Meditate on his report. And then it won't even be like you choosing to act on it. It will just happen. You'll be acting on it before you know it, on your own, effortlessly, before your mind ever has a chance to say, nope, this isn't a great time to do that. The only thing that matters is if the Lord says it's time. Man, that's what I want for my life and my family. That's what I want for our church. And that's what we have seen, honestly, for 30 years here in different ways. Lisa and I, for the last six, pastoring. I'm just expecting more and more. More and more people, more and more communities saying yes to the report and acting on it. Amen? Let's stand together. I'm going to invite the band to come up. I, we had an awesome time down here of breakthrough. And if you stayed where you were at, I believe you could have experienced the exact same thing, right? Why not? God is not limited to the front of a sanctuary or an altar. Uh, this is another chance to experience breakthrough. If you're new with us, we always take a few minutes just to respond to the word through worship. I just don't know a better response that we could have to the Lord than just looking his way again, worshiping him meditating on him even right now. So as the band gets ready, we are just going to respond with a few minutes, and then I'm going to invite our prayer ministers up, and I'll close the service out, and uh, you're going to have an awesome day. Just remember what separated Joshua and Caleb from everybody else in their generation. One, they knew 
the report of the Lord. They knew the full report. Two, they declared it no matter what it looked like on the outside. And three, they acted on it. I believe every one of us in this room are at one of those three steps, one of those three stages. You know where you're at. You might be saying, well, I honestly don't know what the Bible says. I honestly don't know what God says about my situations. Well, no problem. Just get to know it. You learned some of it today just by being in here and hearing this message. You can listen to other messages. And better yet, John said, you don't need to have anybody teach you. You got the Holy Spirit and you have the Bible completely available to pick up and get into that report. That's where you can start. And some of you say, oh, I know the word. If it stays on the inside, you got to start declaring it. Speak it out into your situation. I mean, be weird about it. Speak it out into your situation. Maybe open up to your spouse or your family. I have been having a hard time. I've been battling depression. But the report of the Lord says that I got the joy of the Holy Spirit on the inside. And even though that depression is in front of me, I am saying yes to his joy. Open up. Say that to somebody. Somebody you trust. Tell somebody you trust that you know understands who the Lord is, that dream God's put in your heart. Don't tell everybody. Some people will come against it. But find someone you trust. Your pastors are a good place to go. Your, your best friend. Tell them, this is what the Lord put in my heart, and I'm going to do it. And we're going to do it as a family. We're going to see success. Declare that report. You'll find yourself acting on it, and you'll find your strength renewed before you know it. Amen? Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for your report. We choose to believe it over anything else. Thank you, Father. Amen. Let's worship for a few moments.